0: You know, the difference in a millennial and uh, a guy my age is the way we talk to people. My generation is not nearly as worried about how you feel. (laughs) And the hypersensitivity sometimes is shocking to me. And do any of you ever have things like little pictures in your brain go off during the invitation for, if you're a visitor and you need to fill out a visitor's card, you said this, if you're comfortable, and I had this picture of visitor going, "Uh, they're going to call me and tell me they love me and want me to come to church and experience it. No, who's not comfortable. You said, well, I'm not comfortable. Well, then you need to get over yourself just fill out the beat up visitor card. We're trying to grow a church here and you're it. Everybody okay with that? See, you can say these things on Wednesday night. Sunday morning is the uh, maybe highly committed people were there, but that's a whole nother group of people. That's the people that come to church on Wednesday night. They're looking for something deeper. And we're excited about you getting, having the opportunity to do that. I'm excited about what God is doing in your church and the reach of your church around the world. I know some of your uh, church leaders just came back from Kenya, and I was talking to one of them a little bit. You know, our church built 2,000 churches in Kenya. So I probably have spent almost a year to year and a half of my life in Kenya and, and just love it. And uh, I love missions. I love what God is doing in reaching the lost. And we've got to do more of that. And we can start right here at home. And uh, I love it when my iPad does stuff and I have no idea what it's doing and I'm at the place that's like, well, God, if you don't turn the thing back on, uh, it'd be in your best interest for me to read these notes. Otherwise, I'm gonna start telling jokes. Okay, so, yeah, I know y'all are more spiritual than that, but man, it's just that. I want you to stand. I want you to stand all over the building. Every time we come together, we have to come together for something more than information. We need an experience with the living God. We need to move from the songs and the words to experiencing what we're singing. We need to stop singing about stuff we're not living. We we, we need our lives to be changed. And even though we're co-workers with Jesus, we understand that the greatest transformation in our life is a God thing. And so getting honest, getting clean, getting transparent with God is critical. You can say the prayer, God, give me ears to hear, but does your heart want to hear you know, we we do a lot of things in the church by rote rather than by spirit or heart. I had the privilege of pastoring Cornerstone Church for 27 years and I'm still connected there. They gave me the title of the global pastor, which was their way of telling me to go somewhere. No, that's 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 a true story. And uh, I've been home two Sundays since October and they looked at me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, nobody had me come preach. I mean, yeah. I said. After all those years, the still number one question that Christians ask is how do I know the will of God for my life? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to be? Where does God want me to go? What is God gonna do in this marriage? What's God gonna do with my children? It's the question of identity and destiny. was praying in the hotel room. I got in today about 1:30 or two and, and, and went to the hotel and we're just praying. And I really believe that God is going to do something tonight in the altars. And I believe you're going to have a moment in time that you can apply the word in a way you haven't seen it before. But if you don't apply it, All of the revelation in the world will not change your life without you becoming a disciple, a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. If miracles produced great disciples, the Jews wouldn't have died in the wilderness. Nobody saw more miracles than the Jews. If miracles produced fully committed followers of Christ, Judas wouldn't have hung himself. God does everything that God can do to make you know he's God. But what you allow to happen in you through the choices you make and the thoughts you think is on you. I want to talk to you about a subject you may not have heard preached about in a long time. I'm going to talk to you tonight for just a little while about the blood of Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 and I think they've got the scriptures did you give them those pastor there it is it says now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant think about that we talk about the old covenant and the new covenant but the blood of the eternal covenant the covenant was set in blood Before the foundation of the world, when the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world took place, the blood of the eternal covenant was set with God's side. Brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, not your will. I, I, I was talking to a staff pastor at a church the other day. and He said, I, I, I don't like people judging me. I just want to be me. And, 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 you know, they need to understand. I want to look like this. I want to talk like this. I want to do like this. And he said, what do you think about that? I said, I think you need to know what Jesus said. Take up your cross. When you're all worried about, I want to express myself, you're certainly not worried about expressing him. Anybody that's worried about no matter what anybody thinks, I'm going to be me. And there's a difference in being true to who God made you to be and some cultural fad you picked up. And whether it's piercings or tattoos or hairdos or clothes or, or whatever thing, if it isolates people from hearing the gospel in your life, it's not something the Spirit's leading you to do. We're here to become all things to all people. And anytime you become everything to one little sliver, you become nothing to a lot. Moderation is important. Does not mean that young people need to go back to wearing suits and ties. But it may mean that old guys need to take the suits and ties off. See, when I say something like that, you're thinking you're just dogging young people. No, I'm I'm not talking about any age group. I'm talking about all of us. Everybody okay with that? And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. It's like, hey, God, I'm not happy. That wasn't my goal. Do you know the psychiatrists tell us that people talk the most about the desire to be happy or the unhappiest people on earth? Happiness is not a state of being. Happiness is a come and go emotion. Joy is lasting. Happiness is circumstantial. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Blood of the covenant. Go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. I'm gonna read this and let you be seated. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. Blood. Before anything else happened. The blood. The blood of the eternal covenant. The lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. And the word of their testimony. What they say. You ever heard somebody say, you know, I just don't expect this is going to work out good. I was listening to a pastor's wife the other day. She said, I just see myself at the end of the journey being a bitter old pastor's wife. And I thought, well, you got a good start at a young age. The word of your testimony. You need to put the word in your mouth. Because what you're thinking may not lead you where you want to go. And they did not love their lives. What is the whole world about today? Selfies. Who are you loving? Me. Why? So other people will love me. I got 13 likes. (laughs) See, some of you go through depression because you're trying to get people to love you. They did not love their lives. It didn't mean they didn't love themselves the way God loved them. Even to death, they weren't going to compromise what they believed about God for the sake of their personal happiness. You can be seated. If we were to get gut level honest and talk about things that we don't talk about a lot in most churches, we would get honest about racial bigotry and racism in America. And I'm not here to talk about Donald Trump or Barack Obama or George Bush, or Bill Clinton, or George Bush, or Hillary, or I, I'm about to forget all that. But I can tell you that at 63 years of age in my lifetime, I have never seen the venom between races that is being fomented today by false narratives and not just fake news, but perpetually negative news on every channel intended to stir strife. I've never seen the time that women in America were so bitter. Anytime a woman has to put a man down to become equal, that's a Jezebel spirit. There's nothing wrong with a woman aspiring. I've got three women on my pastoral staff. I believe in women in ministry. I believe in women. I don't think being a woman limits you from anything. But when you've got to hate men to make you feel good about being a woman, you're pretty jacked up, sister. And when you're like a board member that I had on my board about three years ago, and I said I nominated a lady to the board, he said... I just don't believe in women in leadership. I said, you don't have to. You're no longer in leadership. And I fired him right then. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. We, we don't have to put each other down. I'm sitting in the business class seat of an American Airlines flight the other day. And I've got two million miles with American Airlines. I can buy the cheapest ticket on the plane. And I'm going to the front and I have earned the right to get there. I've had enough peanuts. Now I want the potato chips. <laughs> and this guy came in and he goes, well, how's it feel to be in the 1%? I said, I don't really know. An upgrade doesn't put you in the 1%, it just puts you in the upgrade. And I'm gonna get a package of potato chips. I mean, whoop <laughs> I doo mean, and he looked at me and said, and you're a preacher. How'd you get here? I said, and I, I don't, but I lied. I said, oh, I preach prosperity. <laughs> you know, some of us, we say, oh, I want to minister to you. I don't want you to have a bad feeling. So when somebody has that level of animus, you can pet them or slap them. The result's going to be the same. Until they go have a, a, the light come on, they're just bitter people race, racism, nationality, genderism, uh, white against black, black against white. And and, and none of us are perfect, none of us. And we all wanna go and solve the problem, but the problem is not going to be solved until you put prayer back in school, put God back in people's lives. That's the problem. Until 1963, America was like this in divorce, like this in crime. It was very level. But when they took prayer out of school, if you go back and study history, everything went crazy. The family fell apart. uh, Prayer is important. God is important. And that's why God said, I'll have a covenant. And one of the things we don't understand is our founding fathers were covenant makers. When the people got off the Mayflower they created a compact. They called it the Mayflower Compact. And they said, we covenant ourselves into a body Politic for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They said we're here to build a nation to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first 36 states had in the original constitution that you could not serve in government unless you personally confessed Jesus Christ is Lord and the Bible is the guidebook of your life. There was a reason why America came from nothing to the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We have lived in a nation of covenant makers and covenant keepers. And the prosperity we have today and the freedom we have today and the global influence we have today is not because of who we are, it's because of who they are. We're living in the overflow of people that kept covenant and those of us that haven't kept it in a generation that doesn't recognize it are living in blessings that will not get to the next generation if we don't become a covenant keeping people. We've got to become people of the covenant. And you have to understand what God made man for. Remember in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, God looked and the earth was formless and void. And then God began to speak. He said, let there be light. And he made the sun by day and the moon by night. And then what God said is, oh, that's good. You know what God said? Amen me. Amen me. Amen me. God, amen God. And then God said, let there be land and water. And God said, oh, that's good. Amen me, amen me, amen me. And God amened everything of creation till he made man. And when he made Adam, the first man, God didn't amen himself. Because man was intended to be God's amen upon the planet. He's the amen of God. And so God made Adam. And when you think about it, it was amazing. God reached down in the dirt and he made little feet and little hands and eyeballs. I don't know what all he made down there, but he created that dirt in the image of God. How many of you know the dirt in the image of God was just dead dirt? There's no life in the dirt. And so God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Where did the blood came from? The blood didn't come out of the dirt. The blood came out of the breath of God. When God breathed into Adam, the pneuma, the spirit, the, the essence of God was breathed into the dirt and the dirt came alive. It was an amazing thing. Adam became the image of God upon this planet. Adam named the trees, but didn't know trees named him. Adam named the plants, but didn't know plants named him. Adam named the fish, but didn't know fish named him. Adam named the animals, but didn't know. And know that Adam was the image of God. They couldn't see God. But when they saw Adam, they saw God. And then Adam sinned. He did exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus said, God, not my will, but your will, but God, Adam said, God, not your will, but my will. If the life of the flesh is in the blood, the life of the blood is in the breath. And when Adam sinned, the eternal life that was in the blood, this spirit of God that is eternal, left the blood. The blood cells flowed, the plasma flowed, but the breath of God left Adam. And in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says Adam and Eve reproduced after their own kind. They didn't reproduce in the image of God, they reproduced in the image of Adam and Eve. The word mankind was never used in the Garden of Eden because there wasn't a mankind, there was a God kind, but when the blood of Of Adam lost the essence of God. He was no longer a God kind. He became mankind. Everybody understand that? Man was messed up, man was dying. Adam lost his fatherhood. He's a no parent child. He can't talk to father. He can't see father. He can't hear a father's advice. You know what happens when people lose fatherhood? They lose their personhood. Who am I? When he was walking in the garden, he was the man with dominion. He was the man that kept the garden. He was the man that walked with God every day. He knew who he was and what he was supposed to do. But when he lost that, he lost his personhood. He doesn't know his way. He's living under a curse. He's, he's living by the thorns and the thistles and the sweat of his brow. And everything that used to be easy and blessed is now hard and cursed. And he loses his personhood. And then he has children, Cain and Abel. And when a dad loses his fatherhood and loses his personhood, the children lose their brotherhood. And Cain kills Adam. And when you lose your brotherhood, then you lose your neighborhood. You look at neighborhoods, they say, We're going to go back in and repaint the neighborhood. We're going to go back in and upgrade the schools in the neighborhood. We're going to go back in and try to establish some programs in the neighborhood because the ghetto neighborhoods and the destructive neighborhoods and the gang filled neighborhoods and the dope filled neighborhoods and the sin filled, broken filled neighborhoods, we got to restore those things. You can't restore those things because until you establish established brotherhood you can't fix it and brotherhood only comes from personhood and personhood only comes from fatherhood it all goes back to we need God in those neighborhoods all over again it's important that God show up most people aren't listening even though our blood does not have the pneuma of God in it when Abel died his blood cried out to God Do you understand every victim of a crime, their blood cries out to God. Every baby that is being aborted, their blood cries out to God. The blood cries out, blood has a voice. And it's sobering. When you look at the world that we live in. And then you look at Jesus. And you know how Jesus was arrested in the garden and taken and spit on and slapped and made fun of and beaten and crowned and nail-pierced and heart-pierced and hung on a cross. You know all that, but have you ever really thought of everything you're looking for, Jesus redeemed with his blood? You see, when Jesus was born, God looked at a young lady named Mary and breathed into her the breath of life. For the second time in the history of mankind, God put life, pneuma, back in the blood. The blood came, the, the, the spirit came on Samson, came on Elijah, but the spirit lived in Jesus. Because the breath of God produced life and the blood. It's why when they looked at Jesus, they asked a question. It's very interesting. They said, what manner of man is this? They realize Jesus is like no other man. He's he's different than John the Baptist. He's different than the apostles. He's he's different than the prophets. He's he's different than all the people. What manner of man is this? Well, this is not a man. This is a God-man. Fully God, fully man. His blood is divine. His flesh is earth. But he is the plan that God made in the garden. Of Eden. See, God never fulfill, fails to fulfill his original intention. God intended to have a man on this planet to have dominion. People say, I can't wait to go to heaven. You're already there, but God's just got to do some redecoration. He's got to take us out while he redecorates the home and he's going to burn this planet. Somebody the other day said, I'm trying to save the trees. I said, you're wasting time. God's gonna burn them. Every plant you plant, God's gonna burn it. Every little animal you save, God's gonna it's dying. They don't have spirits. Everything, and nothing on this earth is eternal but you and I. The heaven's gonna come down, you know, the the, the the heavens and the earth are gonna be made new. We're gonna have a new earth because of the blood of the covenant. Where did Jesus start bleeding? He started in the garden of Gethsemane. And just like Adam said in the garden, God, not your will, but my will be done. Jesus said, that's wrong. That's messed up. That's where the breath came out of the the blood. I'm going to put some breath back in other people's blood. And he looked at God and said, God, not my will, but your will be done. And the blood popped out of his head. And Jesus, I believe, looked at the ground as the blood fell off his head on the earth. He said, I'm putting some blood on the will of mankind. They hadn't been able to control their self. They hadn't been able to make good decisions. They're going in the wrong direction direction. There's something in them that wants to do the wrong thing. The, you know, the flesh is uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus said, I'm going to take the will. I'm going to put some blood on the will of mankind so that your want to can be God's will to. See, we all want to be in the will of God, but we got some want to's that aren't, are not in God's will. I want to have a 28 inch waist. But I also want my ice cream and waffles water burgers. We don't have those in Tennessee. I done had two. Took them to the hotel to seek the Lord. I may not have a 28-inch waist, but I'm happy. See... You you, you understand what I'm saying? You want to be this person for God, but your other want-tos get in the way. You know, that's your will. Your will is not lined up. And Jesus said, I'm going to put some blood on your will. And then they took him to the house of Caiaphas, and they began to beat him and pluck out his beard. The Bible says you could not recognize him. He was so marred and scarred. He lost his image. What is your thing? I want to know who I am. What did God make me to be? Who am I supposed to be in Christ? You know, if you don't learn who you are, you're going to be like the the guy the devil went to and said, Paul, I know, Peter, I know, who are you? And the guy said, I have no idea. And he said, that's all I want to know. Take your clothes off. I'm running you through the city naked. Jesus said, you don't know what the will of God is for your life. You don't know what the plan of God is for your life. You don't know who you are. And so so you can find out who you are once in your life. I'm going to give up who I am so you can discover who you are. And I'm going to let the blood flow again. I'm going to put some blood on the identity of mankind so you can know who you are. You are a son, not a slave. You're a co-heir with Jesus Christ, not somebody trying to earn something. It's going to be given to you as an inheritance through the blood, you know who you are because Jesus put some blood on it. You're not who you were, you're who you are because Jesus put some blood on it. And then he said, hey, they took that crown and they began to crown his head with those thorns and they began to press that into his brain and you say, what was going on there? What's the problem? You've got thoughts that are not godly and you couldn't change that. But when Jesus put some blood on the brain now you can take some thought captives. You can renew your mind that you can prove what is the good and the acceptable and perfect will of God. You can do things you couldn't do because you have a different mind. You can let this mind be in you that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can have this attitude in you that is in Christ Jesus Lord. You can think on good things. You can think on things that are worthy and noble and of a good report. You can learn the word and internalize the word. You know why? Because Jesus said your mind is messed up. Your mind is out of control. You're hearing thoughts and ideas and deceptions. You've been lied to in the darkness of your mind. But I'm going to fix that. I'm going to put some blood on it. Most people don't get it. They took him and they began to beat him with that cat of nine tails on his back because you can't get over that cancer. And you can't get past that COPD. And that arthritis is wrinkling you up. And Jesus said, it's not my will that you be sick. It's my will that you prosper and be in health. I'm going to put some blood on that too. By my stripes, you are healed. They took him and they nailed his hands to a cross. I shared the story with you the last time I was here that at 18 years of age I committed a murder. Anybody that has done anything shameful deals with that the rest of your life. You you may not live in it, but it's not like people let you forget it. So many times I felt like my hands still had blood on him until God helped me to see this. And as I would think about what I did, and not just that, just all the evil things I did, I thought, God, I just don't get it. Jesus said, oh, I took care of that. You put some blood on your hands that you cannot wash off. I put some blood out of my hands that makes them clean. Go ahead and lay hands on the sick. And those hands the devil used with your blood, I'm going to use my blood and they're going to get well. They're going to experience the anointing of the Spirit of God. They're going to receive the power of the Spirit of God in their life. Go ahead and lift your holy hands. Throw your hands up without wrath and dissension and worship God with holy hands. Not because you made them holy but because the blood of Jesus Christ made them holy at the cross when they nailed his hands down. And then they took him and they nailed his feet to the cross and blood ran out of his feet. And how many times have you and I done something and for what whatever reason our feet ran swiftly to mischief but now your feet spread the gospel of jesus christ everywhere you go and then they pierced his side and out of his side and his heart came blood and jesus said you can't change your heart you've got a heart of stone but through my blood i'm going to take out a heart of stone and put it in a heart of flesh And upon that heart, I'll write my laws. And I'm going to give you a heart of compassion. I'm going to give you a heart of love. I'm going to give you a heart of hunger like you've never had before. You know what Jesus said? For everything that's wrong in your life, everything you're missing in your life, I'm going to put some blood on it. So often we look at the Bible as a book that holds us accountable maybe makes us feel bad i'll never forget i read for years about the cock crowing jesus said before the cock crows you'll deny me three times and peter is saying i don't know him cussing i don't know him adamantly cursing i don't know that man and the cock crows and we think peter says oh no That's the exclamation mark to my failure. But the roosters don't crow when the sun's going down. The roosters crow when the sun's coming up. And what Jesus was saying is you're gonna go into the darkness but when I look at you and you look at me and that cock crows, you need to know that weeping may last for the night but joy comes in the morning. That rooster crowing is not to condemn you, it's to give you hope and a future that you've never had before. God loves you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to tell you one story and quit. Justice and mercy had an appointment. And justice was right on time. Always is. Looked like he walked off a GQ magazine. His hair is trendy. His clothes are clean. I mean, everything about him is groomed to the Max and mercy is late and it always seems like mercy is late and mercy is showing up and justice looks at him and said there he is again his hair's messed up he hadn't groomed himself hadn't brushed his teeth his clothes look like he got them out of a hamper and then rolled them out in the dirt and got mud on them and ketchup and mustard and been living in them for a few weeks like a homeless person he smells because he hadn't had a bath. His shoes are all messed up. And when mercy finally gets to the top of the hill where justice is waiting, justice goes, mercy. He said, hey, wait a minute. Before you, before you start judging me, let me tell you, I would have been on time. But I heard a voice. and said, mercy. Mercy. I found Daniel in the lion's den. I had to go get an angel to shut that lion's mouth. And I would have been here. But then I heard some other voices, a bunch of he- Hebrew boys. Mercy. Mercy. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were almost in the fiery furnace when I got one like the Son of Man to walk with him. I was on the way here and I heard another guy calling mercy. I found Elijah in depression in a cave. He thought he was the only one left. I said, Elijah, there's 7,000 people left. You're never the only one. That's the devil talking to you. Come out of the cave. God's not done. Man, you don't know how many people stopped me on my way here, but I still would have been on time. But I heard a voice from a hill outside of Jerusalem. And I recognized the voice. It was Jesus. And I ran up and I realized he was on a cross between a bunch of thieves. And I said, Lord, do you want me to get the angels to get you down? He said, no, that's not what I brought you here for. I said, Lord, what do you want? He just looked at me and grinned, Justice, and said, it is finished and died." I didn't know what to do. I was stunned. I realized must have been a shock because everybody was gone, the bodies were gone, and I was standing there looking at a cross. I thought, I don't know what to do, I'll come talk to you, Justice. As I turned to walk away, I heard a small voice that said, mercy. I turned around, there was nobody there, I looked around, I didn't know where the voice came from, and I heard another whisper, mercy. And I went over kind of where I thought it came from, it was over near the cross, and I heard it again, and then I realized what it was. It was the blood and every time the blood of the Lord dripped off that cross it said mercy for the lost mercy for the sick mercy for the hungry mercy for the dying mercy for the broken mercy for the rejected mercy for the shamed mercy for those that have failed and cannot get up you know justice the blood of Jesus has called me to a ministry you can't do. Your day will come, but today is the day of mercy because God has shed the blood of the covenant. I've got to go share some love. I've got to go share some power. I've got to go share some hope. I've got to go share some help. I've got to call some angels. I've got to let the spirit loose on this earth one more time because the pneuma is loosed you know why because jesus didn't just shed his blood on the cross he ascended to the throne of god and when he took that blood with life in it and poured it out on the altar of heaven the spirit of god flooded this planet and god poured out of his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams God said, because of the blood, even upon my handmaidens, I'm going to pour out of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. You and I stand in a moment of time that you need to get honest. Is there an area of your life you need Jesus to put some blood on it? Maybe your mind is tormented. You need Jesus to put some blood on it. Maybe you don't know who you are and you feel insignificant in life and you don't know the will of God and you need Jesus to put some blood on it. Maybe you're like me. You've done some things that make you still feel dirty even though you've been saved. You need Jesus to put some blood on that so you can forgive yourself because this is not a matter of God's forgiveness. It's always a matter of self-forgiveness. Let it go. Maybe your feet tend to drift to the wrong place and you need Jesus to put some blood on that maybe your heart's not right maybe it's been hardened because you've been hurt and you need to have a heart that has got a conscience and compassion and love you need Jesus to put some blood on it can I just ask the question how many of you have an area of your life you need Jesus to put some blood on come on raise your hands up hold them up real high Wow. Would you do me a favor, if your hand's up, would you get up? Would you get up and just come, pack in the front of this building. Just get up and come on up here to these altars. We're going to let Jesus put some blood on it. Just come all the way in. Hungry for God, unwilling to leave the same way I came in. I may have learned something about where Jesus shed the blood, but I'm not here to learn something. I'm here to experience the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's so many songs about the blood that we don't sing anymore. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. You ever thought about that? You may wanna judge me, you may wanna go Google me, but if you go to the pages in the book of life, clean, clean. If you say, well, in 1975, we read about what you did, well, I can tell you in the year 2125, you're not going to be able to find it anywhere because that book and that Google's going to be gone and the books of heaven have been washed in the blood. The psychiatrist said there was no hope for my mind. They said there, there was an incurable problem and that I was dangerous It would be the rest of my life. But I had an encounter with the blood of Jesus Christ and what the psychiatrist couldn't do and what medicine couldn't do and what time couldn't do. God, in a matter of a moment, when I said, Jesus, I surrender myself to you, he changed my mind and gave me a word to sharpen it up. I had a heart that had no compassion and empathy. I said, God, there is something wrong on the inside of me. He said, I fix what's wrong on the inside. And in a moment of time, he took out a heart of stone and gave me a heart of compassion for other people rather than myself. I got the blood put on my life. I got the blood put on my hands. I got the blood put on my mind. I got the blood put on my heart. I got the blood put on... I had some blood put on my life. And he's going to do it for you because it is the eternal covenant of blood. We're going to pray and then we're going to worship God and just let the spirit of God that was poured out because of the blood of Christ, bring breath into your blood. If the life of the flesh is in the blood, the life of the blood is in the spirit. Let the spirit in. Father in Jesus name I thank you for the incredible opportunity to share the word of God in this church and God I thank you there are people in this church they are hungry for more than another church service they don't want another religious experience they want a life change they want a head change a heart change a hand change a foot change a will change they need to know who they are they need to know they're the head not the tail they're blessed going in and blessed coming out they're sons and daughters of an almighty God they are children of the king that have been raised up to rule and reign with Jesus Christ they're sitting on a throne high and lifted up and they're going to be involved in the rulership of the world because they are your sons and daughters and God we declare that the blood is flowing, the blood is washing and the blood is released in Jesus name come on church
1: away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus Jesus